Welcome to the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast. This podcast is for you if you lead people, teams, or the organization. You might be a leader or a manager yourself, or you might be part of the support team to help those people to be really successful. I'm Anwin Botwa. I'm the leadership success coach and founder of Purple Sky Consulting, and I'm going to be the host for this podcast. My mission is to help as many leaders as possible to really love what they do. I want to help you to feel more confident, more capable, more effective so that you can build and grow happy, healthy, more successful teams. This podcast is going to be all about helping you to love leading. We are going to be exploring topics and themes about leading in a way that will help you in your day to day, but also support your continuous development. The episodes are going to be conversations and I'm going to be bringing you some expert guests. We're going to explore the topics that they're an expert in and we're going to look at it in a helpful, insightful, but practical way. You'll be able to access this podcast on audio through your favourite podcast provider. But if you prefer, you'll be able to find us on YouTube to watch along there too. So to make sure you don't miss that or any other episodes, go along and subscribe. Whilst you're there, why not leave a review and tell me who you'd like me to interview or the topics you'd like me to cover in other episodes. Welcome back to this second part of the conversation I had with Deborah Corey and Ken Corey where we're continuing to explore the themes of their book, Bad Bosses Ruin Lives, The Building Blocks of Being a Great Boss. In that first part of the conversation, we were focusing on being a bad boss. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on being a great boss. We're going to be looking at how you can be remembered as a great boss and how you can continue to develop yourself. I'll also be asking them what it was like for them to work on this project as a husband and wife team. Let's get started. So that takes us quite nicely to the great boss um, part of the book. So 14 building blocks for being a great boss. Um, for you, what does being a great boss mean? So, you know, it's, we could probably spend a whole session just talking about that. I was trying to think of a way to sort of sum it up. And to me, it's in two words, which is showing up. I think showing up for your people, showing up for the whole person. So, you know, in the old days, you would support them, you know, what they were doing in their job. We didn't support the whole person both what they were thinking, how they were acting, what were the challenges they were having, you know, outside of their life? What were they dealing with type things? So I think to me, being a great boss is, is holistically showing up. I guess that's three words if I throw in. We're not counting, don't worry. Yeah, there fun. you go. Okay, good. good, good. How about you, Ken? <laughs> I, I think she's captured it. Um, I mean, there are 14 building blocks and I'm sure we could itemize each one and we could talk about the, the, the benefits you get from it and the methodology and we could spend three, six, ten hours, you know, a week working on these things. But I think she hasn't boiled it down really, really well. It's about showing up. It's about doing the right thing for your people. Wonderful. So how could leaders or people in organizations who support the, lead, the leaders in, in those organizations look at these building blocks, use them to really help them create high-performing environments and cultures? Well, first off, you have to understand the tools that you have at your disposal, right? You have to look at the uh, across the building blocks and understand the difference between empathy and compassion, right? Between uh, account uh, authenticity and vulnerability. Uh, you need to understand what these things are. But once you once you do, uh, then every situation is going to have a, a mix of these building blocks that you could use to solve the situation. Basically, you don't want to try to put in six different ingredients and see what happens you want to try one of the building blocks. You want to see, is me being vulnerable, explaining that I've had that same situation to the employee, uh, uh, seeing if we can connect that way, is that useful? 
right? And try that for a little while. And if that doesn't work, um, uh, try another one. Try, try working on your empathy. See, you know, explore what's going on, that sort of thing. The important thing is don't try to mix in six things at once. Say, you don't start out by going, well, Deborah, I really understand where you're coming from. And if she, she doesn't respond well to that, go, okay, so there was this one time when I, and then if that doesn't work, then go, okay, well, so really, you know, how can we help? How can, I, I just want to listen. You, you, you can't chop and change a whole bunch of blocks at one time. You have to focus on just the one and, 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 and chase it down. Really see how far you can go with that block. See if it'll, it'll help a situation. Um, and then try another. You know, and then a few days, a week's time, whatever. Adapt is what I'm hearing there. Just to sort of take a step back, just to sort of um, introduce you to the building blocks. So um, there's two types of building blocks because 14 is a big number. And again, Ken and I tried to get rid of some of them. Um, but also, and it's similar to my other books, if we asked you to guess what are your tools as a leader that you should use, probably very few of the 14 will be surprises. Um, but it's about pulling them together and going in a bit depth. And there's two types. There's the ones that are behaviors and we call these the six pack, uh, cause there's six of them. And, you know, as Ken, you cited a couple of them, things like empathy, um, vulnerability. I won't go through all of them, but those are behaviors. And then the other eight are actions. So ways to act, to be a great leader. Things like I mentioned appreciation, you know, 81% of people aren't appreciating your people. I'm sorry. That is a building block to be a great leader. Um, you know, other things like communications and listening and feedback. Um, so as Ken said, it's like, you've got 14 at your disposable, understand what they are and figure out, um, you know, what to, what to do with them. But I just, I just wanted to sort of explain it. So people don't like tune out and think, Oh my God, 14, what do I do? But I think what's interesting about looking at it from that perspective is not every situation will need the same building blocks. And not every individual will need the same building blocks either in terms of kind of that that type of situation. So I think just that ability to kind of help people to understand where they need to be and how they need to show up, like like you touched on before, Deborah, you know, what, what that looks and feels like. So how do you think we can help leaders to do that? Can, can I just cut in a second? Anyone, I just wanted to say how, how exciting, excited I was when you just said that, that uh, these things happen differently for different employees in, in this, even in the same situation. Coming from an engineering background, you know, if, if I write a for loop in my code and I, so I'm just going around in a circle six times and I'm doing the thing, it's always going to behave that way. People do not work that way at all. Right. So if you have five people in your in your team, you're going to have five different ways to handle a situation uh, on any one given day. And if you've got five days in a week that you could have 25 different things you might need to adjust as a manager. So thank you for hitting that one. That's that one's really important. You have to be flexible. You, you can't just be dogmatic and algorithmic on this. You have to be sensitive and, and, and aware of what your employees need. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, let's be real. That's why it's so hard to be a boss. Totally. You know, that's why I get so fr I get so frustrated when people want to point fingers all the time at bad bosses. So, I mean, yes, the title of the book is "Bad Bosses Ruin Lives," but it's not, as you said earlier, it's not pointing fingers. But you know, it was hard to lead in the past. But five generations in the workplace, people working remotely, people working hybrid. You know, I mean, being a boss has never ever been been harder. So, I guess going to your question about how can we help bosses be great. I think the first thing is is going back to what we were the first part is understanding what what are the areas of development. Um, Gary Ridge, he was the CEO of WD40. 
Um, I spoke with him at an event and he calls them learning moments. He says, you never make mistakes, they're learning moments. So what are those learning moments? And, and what we tried to do in the book is we tried to create a synergy between the two sections. So understand where the areas are that you, know, you need to develop. And uh, Ken actually created a, a free app, a free test people it's can great. to understand it. <laughs> and yeah, and then attached to that, it tells you what are the building blocks. So for example, you know, if you're a um, micromanager, there might be three of the building blocks that you can, can focus on. So I think it's really first trying to understand, you know, as a boss, admit, raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm, I'm having an impact on people's lives. I might not be ruining them but I'm having a negative impact on my people. And then once you get that awareness, then what are the building blocks that will help me be successful? And, you know, really using it as a part of your development. And, you know, we've been saying it all along, understand that you're never going to be perfect, ever be perfect. Um, And it's just learning through each individual situation. We're getting ready to start a a newsletter, um, Ken and I, which is going to look at situations where either you were a bad boss or you had a bad boss and then really pick it apart and say, okay, what could any of us have done differently? Because I think that that's how you learn best through the whole experiential, which is why we share a lot of stories in the book of either what either we've done wrong, or we ask people to write in stories what they've done wrong as well. So hopefully that'll help people. Absolutely. I think there's a really interesting part there around, and we touched on it a bit when leaders move into to new roles, of this self-awareness piece Sometimes we also miss the opportunity in organisations to really have a conversation with people in leadership roles about what we need from you for the culture of our organisation, what we need from you to be leading here. And as much as you might need to adapt to individuals, actually, what do we expect of you? And I mean that with a small e, you know, in terms of like, where, where do we want you to be as a leader? And then how do we help people to kind of understand the shift they need to make? And then they can use resources like this to go, actually, I want to get better at communicating. How can I how can I practice some of that? How can I get better at some of that? Because like you said, you're never going to be perfect at everything. And if you t- try to aim to be that, then stop now because it's going to be really painful for everybody involved. Um, but just that opportunity to realize that you need to keep changing. You need to keep evolving as a leader and that means sometimes taking that moment to step back and go where am I right now so as much as I might be thinking about what my team might need for me how do I want to lead you know how do I want to be known as a leader and where are there the gaps that I need to focus on as well so looking at it from that angle of you know what do you want to be remembered for do you know because <laughs> there's going to be like you say there's always going to be a day where you've just misstepped slightly those aren't going to be the moments people remember you for, the little missteps when you're in a place of having a greater relationship with your team. But when you drop the clangers and do nothing about that and don't see that as an opportunity to learn as a learning moment, like you said, Deborah, then that's where you lose impact and that's where you lose the team. Yeah, and I think anybody can do it. You know, one of the reasons I really wanted Ken to write the book with me is that, um, you know, our offices, we both work from home and, and they're on the same floor. So when I'd be walking by, I could hear Ken on the phone with his people. And, you know, don't, don't get embarrassed, Ken, but, um, he is a brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant Love people it. leader. 
which as an engineer, and I'm so sick of people saying, you know, well, you know, engineers can't be great people leaders. They're just so technical. It's like, listen to Ken. So that's why I thought, you know, if, if a techie could come on and show that, you know what, anybody can be a great people leader. And, you know, your point about being remembered when you left, Ken, the things that I heard your people saying about you as you were leaving about how much you had touched their lives. I mean, how amazing is that? So that's your legacy you leave in an organization. It's, it's brilliant. Wonderful. That's why we do these things is because we're making the difference in people's lives. Um, in previous roles, I might have said, you know, the, my favorite, uh, my greatest accomplishment was this this project I worked on, or that bit of code over there, or whatever. But by far, my greatest accomplishment in my last few roles was all about the people that I worked with, and 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 growing them, and watching them succeed, and start growing other people. Man, talk about talk about joy! Wow. The joy of leading, I think, is is one of those topics that actually is like we need to help people see the, the actual, the joy that is in leading and to, to have these moments where you know you've had a positive impact. You're not the ruiner, you're the builder, you're the grower, you're the developer, you're, you're, you're the person having a positive impact on, on somebody's day, on somebody's life. And um, that's, that's great, isn't it? Like, that's, that is joyful. And we should be encouraging leaders to yeah. see their role in that way rather than, oh my God, I've got to get the communication message across in the right way. How can I engage my team in a brilliant way so that we land this really well? Same thing, different message. <laughs> but yeah, the joy you get from is. thinking about it in the second way rather than the first way is just, it's just different. So, yeah, I think the more we can help leaders and organisations in that place, the better. So thank you for that. Before we start wrapping up, we had two questions in for, um, for you from um, our LinkedIn um, post this morning when I said that I'd be interviewing you. So do you mind if we just delve into those questions and see what your reactions are to them? Would that be okay? Um, so one person asked about, I might be surrounded by other people who aren't leading well. How do I not give up when actually I could just blend into what, a, what the other type of leadership is going on around me? What are your thoughts on that question? You can't control other people's actions. There's nothing you're going to do uh, that's going to change exactly. You know, you can't. I cannot put words in your mouth, and and when and Deb, I, I I can't make you show up in some particular way for one of your employees. What I can do is sh set examples, share, support, uh, demonstrate in my support of the other leaders around me, of the other managers, uh, how I want. How, how I would like to be supported by them and hopefully they would support their people. That's it. That's all you get. You can talk about training. You can talk about programs. You could run, start a leadership group or whatever to, to discuss these things. But those other managers need to see some value in that. In my opinion, everybody should be looking at their current situation and, and decide for themselves, is this the right situation for me? If you cannot uh, have a broad enough impact in the organization. If you, if you see uh, other managers doing it thoroughly wrongly and that being systematic and, and accepted within the organization, maybe it's time for you to find another role, right? We, I, I just don't believe people are built to be in a company for 35 years. There are people who do this and, and my hat's off to them. Wow. How do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's not been my that's not been my experience. It's, it's, you get to a certain point, you've grown a certain amount, you've changed, and now it's time for you to move on to another place where you can continue your growth journey. So yes, by all means, support others, demonstrate, uh, share techniques and all that kind of thing. 
And if you still cannot have uh, an impact on other managers who are doing it badly, consider moving. Lovely. Yeah, if I used one word, I would say it would be responsibility. Because if you think about why there's so many bad bosses in the in the world, I think a lot of it is because of role modeling. So remember we said before that we were hoping that you know the new generation wouldn't have had bad bosses, but it's just perpetuating. Yes. And if I think about my bad boss's ruined life story, I know the reason that this person was bad was because everyone else sitting around the leadership table, table was doing the wrong things. And it was really hard for my boss to stick up mm. above the yeah, parapet. Totally. What, yeah. What's the expression? And um, so I think my challenge to everyone is that if we're ever going to change it, you need to be brave. You need to take responsibility. You need to try to do it. And then at the end of the day, as Ken said, if, if it's not working, go somewhere where they'll appreciate you doing the right things. But I think we have collective responsibility to start doing it differently or it's never yeah, going to change. It's a choice, isn't it? So you can choose to be as the example of that you don't like the look of either, <laughs> or you can choose to lead in the right way. You can choose to be a leader that has a positive impact. And like you say, shift and find an organization, a culture that will embrace that and help you develop further and enhance where you are already. But you have a choice when you step into a leadership role of, of how and who you want to be. And that's really important to kind of own that and not lose that. But what's that saying? Um, a true leader create doesn't create followers, but creates new leaders. Um, I only really subscribe to that when the leader is a good leader in the first place. <laughs> Because actually what we don't want is a repetition <laughs> of the um, the poor leadership. So, um, yeah, I think you've just got to be really okay at setting your own stall out of who you're going to be as a leader and how you're going to do that. The sad thing is that that, that saying works in both directions. Mm, totally. If you're a bad leader, you will generate bad leaders. If you're a good leader, you will generate good leaders. Uh, you know, it, it will always work that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, my second book I wrote was called The Rebel Playbook. So I talk about the revolution. So I always tell people to put your rebel cape on, be brave, because it's not easy acting different. It was, It is not easy. But think about why you're doing it. You're doing it for your people. You're doing it for the next generation. And it's more enjoyable. Being a nice boss, being a great boss yes. is much more enjoyable oh. than being a bad boss. Um, it's, it's just much more enjoyable. So I don't understand why people choose not to be in the great boss mode. Sometimes it's hard. Because but, they call it work. Yes. They don't call it play. <laughs> right? So it, work is supposed to be hard, not fun. That's, I think that's, seriously, I think as a society, that is our assumption, that we go to, to work and we have to have serious looks on our faces. But it actually takes more work to be a bad boss than a good boss because you're picking up the pieces. So people need to see that, yes, you might need to put a little bit of investment in at the beginning, but it, it pays off does. at the end. It really Absolutely. does. So... What would be your one thing that you would want people to take away from either our conversation today or when they pick up the book and have the book with them? That it's a journey um, and that it's it's going to be like a roller coaster. It's never going to be a pair, um, you know, perfect. Um, and in the book, we talk about three stages of it, awareness, acceptance and action. So think about your journey and how you can hit all those three areas. For me, it's, it's about, um, as humans, we automatically categorize. We put people in a box. That person's a great boss. That person is a dependable employee. You know, that person is really friendly. We put people in boxes and then we, we don't have to think about, we don't have to analyze their behavior anymore. We just can deal with the box. So anybody in that box, I like. And I, I, I can just be friendly with all of them and I don't have to think about it. 
that saves us time, I suppose. I mean, it, it, it might, it might make things easier for us, but, but it, it does limit, um, our perception of that person. So if, if someone is in a great boss box, uh, that doesn't always mean they're a great boss. You know, we talked about having the, 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 the trust credit, uh, uh for, for great bosses. Um, and a bad boss is someone who doesn't have any trust credit at all. So as soon as, as soon as they do something wrong, they're even, that just proves they're a bad boss, right? Um, it's all shades of gray. They're, they're it, it, a person, we might put them into the box, but we're doing them a disservice. People all are on uh, this continuum, this uh, shades of gray between black and white. Nobody's black or white in this. Um, and so we really do need to uh, keep that in mind. We really do need to give people the benefit of the doubt, um, to understand that nobody's perfect, including us. And, 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 and work from that perspective. That's interesting. So one of the other questions that we got in from uh, a listener via LinkedIn was, um, how do you handle a bad boss when they're not willing to be alive to that? <laughs> uh, they are self-aware or they're not hearing the feedback. How would you, what would you say about how to handle that? Deborah, do you want to go first? It's funny because um, we've, since the book's come out, we've been asked to uh, do interviews and, and we've been having a lot of interviews about how does an employee handle it. So that is going to be our next right. book. So watch this space. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I think back when I've had a bad, bad boss, I've had responsibility as well. So I think it's your responsibility. You know, it's a relationship like any, anything, work relationship, personal relationship, and you do have a role. So if your boss is being a bad boss, they might not even know it. You know, think about yourself. I didn't know I was being a bad boss. So again, you need to put on that, that rebel cape, that bravery cape, and you need to let your boss know that because if we went to those 96.6% of bosses, I would be very surprised if, if very few of them mm -hmm. knew they were a bad boss. So I think if you're having it, bottom line, you need to do something about helping your boss know what it is that's not working. You don't use the word bad boss, but you know, what are the things that aren't working and what do I need? Because they're not mind readers. They're never going to know it if you don't do your part of the, of the bargain. Absolutely. Ken, any thoughts on that? Yeah. It, it goes back to the boxes thing I was talking about where because someone is in a bad box, uh, bad boss box, but well, it's hard to say three times fast. Um, so uh, anytime that they do something I disapprove of, I just go, oh, they're even worse than I thought they were. Oh, 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 oh. And it's just this maddening spiral. And that enables you to, that because you really disrespect them, it enables you as an employee to treat them poorly, mm -hmm. to not communicate well, to not show up for yeah. your boss. And so, right. So, so as Deb said, employee manager is a, it's a relationship and it needs support in both directions. So what I would recommend, if you have a bad boss, bend over backwards, hold your head up high, do everything you can to make sure that you're, you're hitting your communications. So the boss knows what's going on, where it's going on, how it's going on and the challenges that you're facing to make sure that if there's a challenge, you don't just come and say, I have a problem. But you come up and say, there is a problem. These are my three best answers that I've come up with so far. Personally, I'm leaning towards a boss. What do you think? Right. If you if you do this for every single problem that you face, your boss starts to realize you are trying to work outside of the box. You are trying to be a problem solver. Um, and 
in my experience, when I have done that for my bosses, nine times out of 10, my boss either doesn't even respond because they agree with me that A is the right way to do it, or they'll finally come in and go, oh, Ken, there's this thing you didn't know. B is really the right way answer for that one. Okay. So I think Deb hit on it really, really well there. She said, you got to talk. You got to communicate. You got to share what your plans are. You got to share what your status is, and you got to understand what your what your purpose for your what your boss's purposes are. What are they, what are they they trying to accomplish? Because if you're helping trying to accomplish their goals, they're probably likely to back off and and relax a little bit because you're doing the thing they need you to be doing. Um, I think you also need to take ownership for it, though. You know, um, sometimes we point fingers at our bosses and say they're bad. So perfect example, I had a boss who and I said, you never listen to me, which is one of the building blocks. You never listen to me. And she said to me, that's because the only time you come to me with ideas is when I'm rushing into a meeting or my worst was when we were driving back from a management meeting, you know, like after being up till three in the morning. So that was my fault that she wasn't listening to me, mm-hmm. not her fault. So I think at some point in time, we need to hold our hands up and take ownership. Two-way relationships are so important. And I think, you know, often I look at this, the balance of the power sometimes is with the leader here in terms of creating an environment where somebody is able to really feel able to say, you're getting in my way, like get out of my way or you're making this harder than you need to. Um, But it also needs the bravery sometimes to just step in and go, they might just not be hearing or seeing it. So sometimes you just need to say, what you're doing right now isn't working for me. Um, And this is how, you know, this is what would help me right now. Uh, Back to that adaptability is sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes you just need to be told what's going on to help that. So let's look at it at the flip side. Um, So really important to to me is how we help leaders to love leading so i think we can do that in lots of different ways and because what we don't want is leaders in leadership roles where they feel feel their lives are being ruined by being (laughs) a leader so how can we really help leaders to feel in that space where they are fully enjoying and joyful and loving the role that they're doing and it's a a positive thing for them any thoughts on that i think the starting point is um to give them the tools and the support. You know, when I was a leader the first time, I was just thrown into it and I was thrown into it in another country and I was hard. I made so many mistakes. So I think that if if you're going to love something, you know, you have to feel comfortable doing it. So helping our people do it and also just making sure it's right for them. Like I I suggested to you, Ken, how many times that you should be a people leader and you're like, no, it's not something I want to do. I'm not ready for it. You did it in your own time because you wanted to do it. So I don't think we should push people into leadership roles. You know, as an HR person, I design career paths and job design, give people other options so that we don't have people as leaders just because they think it's the only way to make more money. Do it because you want to do it. That's a really good way to put it. Um, I was I was coming at it from a slightly different angle where, uh, uh, you know, leading is hard. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, the number one kind of bad boss that people have uh, experienced is an unappreciator. And um, the, the broad consensus as managers is we don't want to appreciate our people because it costs money or, you know, we don't want to give people a big head or whatever. All, that, all that's ri- ridiculously bogus. Um you have to appreciate people. You have to tell them when they're doing well. You have to show them when they're doing well. And in response to this particular question, um, my 
best, uh, the, the, the achievement I'm most proud of in my last few jobs was the, the, the way that I pr got people uh, developed, that I promoted them up to a certain level. And then they started working on developing and promoting the people underneath them. Right. Uh, so for me, that was the most, that was the thing I was the most proud of. Um, but when people started to actually point at that and go, man, that's amazing. Look, you know, that guy started out as just a backend engineer, but he's now an engineering manager and he's, he's got this other guy to be this, this, this tech lead. And, you know, they helped this other woman to be a tech lead over in this other team. And it was really powerful to watch this development going on and really happening. Um, seeing that myself made me proud being told that other people were seeing me do that was just so sublime. That was just so powerful. I think that would, that would both encourage people to do more of that sort of thing, but also show the managers who aren't getting it right, what good looks like. Not, not to toot my own horn there, but you see what I mean? If, 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 if you're giving it uh, appreciation, that's one of the things you accomplish is you're showing people who aren't doing that, that this is something that we value in this organization. Absolutely. And do you know what I really like about that insight is that the importance of actually showing people that moving into a leadership role is a really great thing to do. <laughs> like when all people have a, a role models around them where leading looks really, really awful, like why would you want to step into that space? You want to be inspired to step into a role like that, don't you? You want to be excited about the opportunity that you can have. But when we show people that leading people, teams, organize, is, is, is so hard that it's burdensome and ruins your life as well, then why would people want to do it? Whereas if we could show them actually the joyful aspects of it, the bits that are incredible, you know, when I think back to the roles I, I've done in my last few roles where there was a leadership aspect, the things I didn't like about my job were never the bits about my team. <laughs> it was all about the politics or the structure or the ways of working in terms of the organisation. It's never the bits about my team. So when I talk about my leadership roles now, the bit I talk more fondly about is that leadership aspects. Going self-employed, that's the thing I miss most that opportunity to interact with my team and to, to be part of their world and part of their lives for the day. And um, that should be something beautiful when you leave the end of the day, knowing that you've had a contribution in a positive way to somebody's experience. You won't always get it right, but if you can be getting it right 80% of the time, guess what? That's much nicer for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely everybody. Lovely. Thank you for that insight. So we're going to just start wrapping up and I, I'm really interested. So Deborah, you shared with me, this is the first podcast the two of you t have done together on this book. So uh, it may well be that you do some more interviews together um, at different points and this might not go out first, but I'm claiming it. I'm claiming the first interview with a pair of you on this book. So <laughs> first of all, so my husband helps me every now and again with some technical stuff, but it's, it's not been writing a book. So I'd like to have a bit of a um hear from you how have you found this experience of working together um, on putting this book together he's he's brave enough to go um, first i'm gonna go first on this one deb um as as her husband it's always my fault anyway so that's okay that's, that's easier fine. like that isn't it um, <laughs> <laughs> we start from that point right uh I did, I did say, uh, I did a bit of research and I, and I calculated that we've been married now for 9,560 days, give or take. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I did that calculation is just to say how strongly our habits are. 
uh, we've built up a lot of habits and uh, they're just natural. They're second nature to us. And, you know, whenever she makes that one face when I'm trying to start an idea and, and oh yeah, and I can remember the 16, the 75 times we've had an argument based on that. <laughs> stop, Ken, stop. She's making a point. Listen to what she's saying. And that, for me, that's been the biggest challenge here is, is that, um, Deb has a wealth of experience in, 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 in working in, in large corporates. She knows what she's on about. She's done it. She's been there. She's gotten the t-shirt. She's traveled to the other countries. I mean, she knows what she's talking about. So even if uh, I can think of situations in our relationship that have caused uh, a chafing or, 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 or discomfort, I have to, to turn that off for a minute and think about the content. What is she saying in this moment? Uh, for me, that was the biggest um, uh, contributor to the success of, the, of, of, of getting the book out and, and whatnot. Um, and it made me value Deb that much more. Uh, Deb, Lovely. your turn. Yeah, it's interesting because I think what I'm going to say actually relates to us as a, you know, working on a book, but even mm -hmm. in the workplace, you know me, I'm always looking in the workplace. And I think it's to welcome dissent. So there were many times, you know, I've been doing this, this is my sixth book, I've been doing this. And Ken would come at it a completely different angle. And at the beginning, let's be real. Am I allowed to swear? Oh, yeah. I was a bitch. I was hard. I was horrible. I was, but you know, luckily pretty soon I realized that, you know what, I need to shut up and just listen to what he has to say. So, and I say that all the time in the workplace, listen to your people, listen to your leaders. But at the first I wasn't listening to him. So once I finally embraced the Kenness and the Ken perspective, um, I actually am so proud of this book because of that, because I think it's just so much richer because it has this perspective. So whether it's your marriage or your working relationship, that was my biggest lesson is sometimes I just needed to shut up. I think we have that in the book about under uh, listening, just shut up and listen and also start from a perspective of you're going to hear them and value. Um, and then the last thing is just um, to really just leverage each other's expertise. So, so like, I would have never thought of creating this app mm. for this test. I love it. You know, that was your idea, Ken. At first I thought it was silly. Luckily I shut up and listened to you. Um, and now, I mean, what we've had, what, three, 400 people already take this. Mm. So hopefully we've already helped that many people. Um, so it's really leveraging each other's strengths. And I, I think we did a good job of doing that. One of the challenges that I've had specifically in engineering, because that's been my corporate experience uh, up to now, um, is is people uh, trying to f build themselves into hierarchies, right? Oh, I, I know this one computer language. I know this technique. I know this thing uh, much better than Bob over there. So Bob's kind of a fool. You know what? I'm going to disregard anything Bob says. One of the most important lessons I learned, and this is going back 20 years now, is that every single person in your organization around you has something to teach you. Your job, your only job in life is to listen, is to find out what that is. It might be a technical thing, and that's what everybody focuses on, right? It might be a skill, it might be a, a, a tool, but it might be how to deal with somebody who talks this way. It might be how to understand somebody who comes from things with that perspective. It might be understanding what's going on in somebody's home life and how that impacts them at in the office. It might be working with your wife and having to listen and understand where she's coming from because there's a, there's a nugget of gold in there. Just learn the lesson. Um, if, if I could just give any one lesson to all the people in my hierarchy, that would be the one is no matter who you're talking to, they've got something to teach you. 
Shut up and learn it. Yeah, and I think as a boss, it was a hard lesson for me. I I was brought up being told you have to have all the answers. I had a boss once who yelled at me for going around and to my employees and getting their perspectives. So it taught me you don't listen to people. He goes, that's what I pay you for. So I guess sort of you know adding on to what Ken said, as a boss, and I think it's really important, you do not have to have all the answers. Actually, your people will respect you more if if you if you go out to them. And to me, that was just refreshing. It's like so much less weight on your shoulders when you don't have to have all the answers. Lovely. So it's been a thumbs up to working together then. Well, we already said we'll write another book, right? We, we said we're going to write one from the employee then perspective. That's definitely so there you go. got to be a thumbs up. <laughs> that is a very good write-up from that perspective. So anyway, I want to thank you both for joining me today and, um, and sharing with our listeners and our viewers um, how this book can help them um, and can help them to understand themselves better as a leader, but also to have something really useful and valuable for them to kind of dip into as and when they need to and when they need to to stretch into some of those building blocks that you've identified for being a great boss. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and, and everybody today. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And when, oh, um, thank, thank, thank you for letting us be uh, your guinea pigs for this this particular software. Love it. Um, so yeah, we've definitely been trying out some new <laughs> kit today. So let's see, let, let's fingers crossed that the, the outcome is as we all want it to be as well. So fingers crossed that will go well. Um, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to find um, your information or contact you? The best place is our is our website, badbossesruinlives.com. Fabulous. Uh, which, which, which I built, right? So, you know, Ken's the techie, but he, he did help me quite a bit. But I said, you know what? I want to step out of my comfort zone. So please forgive me on this website. But yeah, our website. So, yeah, I, I defer to the webmistress on this one. And we're also going <laughs> to be go. present on LinkedIn in a major way. Brilliant. Um, I will make sure that in the show notes, there's links to all of those things as well. So you can get access to everything really easily. Uh, but yeah, if you're on LinkedIn, definitely go and look you both up. Um, it's great to be following um, where you get to with this. And I'm already seeing other um, interviews and other ways that you're having conversations about this book. And I think that's really great. So if you follow them both, you can get access to all of that insight and information as well. So Thank you both. Um, and hopefully I'll have you back on them for the next book at some point. <laughs> Sounds good thank to me. Thank you so much. A massive thank you to both Deborah and Ken for joining me over two episodes in this fantastic conversation. I hope that you found it really interesting. I hope that you found little bits of information about yourself and ideas maybe for how you're going to make changes or implement different ideas into your work. Why not take a moment to think about the themes that we discussed in this conversation? and how you're going to use those to shape your own development. If you have any thoughts or ideas that you want to share, put them in the comments. Get involved on LinkedIn. I'll be sharing it there too. And finally, thank you for joining this episode of the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast. You'll find all the resources and the links that we mentioned down in the show notes. If you love this episode, why not share it with somebody else in a leadership role who you think would find this useful? If you haven't already, I'd love for you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if we've earned it, why not leave us a five-star review? I'm Anwen, your host, and I look forward to welcoming you back to the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast very soon. Bye for now.